Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. I'm going to have you open your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. We're going to continue our series that we've been studying through this letter on Ephesians. Everybody, everybody in the room has been on the wrong side of a bad relationship. Everybody in the room, I'm sure it's almost happened to everybody. And it, it might have been a, like a childhood friend, neighborhood friend, close friend from school. might have been somebody that you made friends with as a, when you were in that college age and you became friends. Maybe it's a family relationship. Maybe it's a relationship with a boss or an employee. But everybody's been on the wrong side of a bad relationship. And those relationships are frustrating at times and they're difficult at times. And sometimes it moves beyond frustrating and difficult. And those relationships actually become toxic and destructive. Almost everybody's been there. Almost everybody's experienced that. Conversely, conversely, hopefully, most of you have have experienced really those deep, meaningful relationships, those kind of relationships that are life-giving and they are nurturing. Most of you have been there. Most of you have experienced that. I'm hoping at some point in your life. And listen to this. This is really interesting. Research tells us this, that people who have those kinds of relationships, you ready for this? When you have deep and meaningful relationships, like those life-giving relationships, research says that you're in better physical health as a result. Those, those relationships create better physical health for you, that you live longer, that you have decreased stress and sickness because of these meaningful, healthy relationships, that you heal quicker, uh, that you, this is the most interesting one, that you actually, and they've, they've done research on this, you actually experience, you ready for this, less pain. You experience less pain. Here's how they did the, their uh, research experiment. They, they took, um, they have like a cylinder their, their instrument of pain was like a cylinder, and then it's heated up, it's connected to a cable, and it's thermal. They measured thermal pain. And so they put this on the person's forearm here, and, and they start to slowly turn it up. In their hand, they hold a picture of someone. They, they're part of a research experiment. They bring a picture of someone who, who's meaningful to them. Like it's a deep, meaningful, life-giving, healthy relationship. And they measure, let us know when you feel actual pain. Not just like warm, let us know when you feel pain. They raise their hand, they chart that, they graph it. Now they give them plenty of time to recover, plenty of time to recover. So it's, it's not just like, hey, that area is already warm. And they actually put it, the, the cylinder on the other arm. And they give the same person a picture of someone they absolutely don't know. They have no idea who this is. And just, I know this is just sounds weird or whatever, but they made sure that it was always what, what would be considered an attractive person. So that there's no like, hey, that's a repulsive person. There's none of that. It was considered an attractive person. Did you know that this person, because they didn't know him, didn't have a meaningful relationship with him, they always measure pain sooner. That when we're in a healthy relationship, we actually experience less pain in our lives, that, that you have better physical form and actual better, better fitness, that you receive practical help for life, that you receive emotional support for life, that people who are in these meaningful, deep, life-giving relationships, that they actually have a higher sense of self-esteem, a higher sense of purpose and meaning, they have lower rates of anxiety and depression, that they have heightened or better communication skills, that they, that they are more, more productive in life, that they're more willing to try and experience new things. All of that just because we have meaningful, life-giving relationships. And so if that's the case, then we should be seeking out these kinds of relationships. how, How do I have these? The question is this, very simple. What are the keys to having healthier and more fulfilling relationships? Right, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And these are principles, principles. They're principles, like they just cut across lines. 
And so we're going to look at a few of those this morning. So we're talking this morning from Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to ask you to flip there in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5. And when you have that, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you're looking it up on a digital copy, uh, it'll always ask you what translation you use. And you want new living. That's what we use here. It's not the only translation. It's not the right translation. It's what we use. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And it says this. And further, the Apostle Paul writing, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to read that again. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that we are in your presence. We are audience now for the king of creation. And we're, we're humbled by who you are, God. We're humbled. And so we come to you, God, seeking to worship you, to give you praise, to give you adoration. That, that's really, first and foremost, why we've come this morning. And we worshiped you, God, in song, and we worshiped you in our giving. We worshiped you in dance this morning. And now our desire is to further worship you in the reading of your word and in the study of your word. And so as we do that, God, would you reveal yourself to us? Would you draw us to you? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You guys can have a seat. So I'm going to get right to this. It's so good. It's so good. It's going to be so hard for you this morning. And the reason I know it's going to be hard for you is because it just messed me up for about the last three weeks. And it became very convicting in the last week. So we're going to get right into this. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Remember, this is a letter that he wrote and it circulated churches. We think it circulated the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3 where, where uh, John was writing. We think it circulated. It's on the same postal route. And probably the last place it stopped here was here at Ephesus. And this is Paul writing to these churches. And he says this, and further. Now just stop. And further. Well, what was previous? What was he talking about? If you look in your Bibles, when you get home today, man, go all the way back to chapter 4. And ever since chapter 4, all he's been talking about is how you folks treat each other and how you folks get along and how do we keep unity and harmony and, and what are really, what's, what's meaningful for us to get along. Right. That's the context. And further. And further down the line about great relationships and unity, peace. Right. And further. Then he says this. And further. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, we just got to get this out of our system this morning. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say the word submit. And then I want you to give me some drama. I like it. How many people just love a lot of drama in your life? Me too. And so, so when I say submit, you just groan and give me something like dramatic. You ready? Here we go. Submit. Okay, terrible, not meaningful at all. You, you blew it. So I'm going to give you another chance. I mean, like some drama. Submit. Yeah, isn't it? There's just such a negative connotation about submit, about submission. And I'm very visual. I'm a very visual person. And so I was trying to think, like, what's a picture? What's a picture that encapsulates how we feel about submission? Because the connotation is so negative. We have all this negative baggage that's been attached to it. And I couldn't think of anything. And then Pastor Amos had an idea, and so he gave me this picture. So this is, this is submit. This is what we think of. Typically, this is a picture that's in most of your heads. <laughs> we think. Now, now here, and I don't even know. So, so, I, so I don't even know if you can tell, because I know you guys are back ways, and I'm right next to the screen. So I don't know if you can tell this. But this, this bottom one, yeah, okay, so I think that's actually Pastor Amos. I believe that's Pastor Amos. And the one that's on top, the upper person, the person who's on top of the lower person. Okay, yeah, this is me. This is me. This is me. This is Pastor Amos down here. Me. Past, yeah. Isn't it, this is how we feel about submission. 
this is, submit just has such a negative connotation to us. And yet here, Paul says this, further, submit to one another. We are to submit to one another. Now, here's the idea of biblical submission, and we're going to get way into this. The idea of biblical submission is this. You voluntarily place yourself under another person. You necessarily place the other person above yourself. And what that means is this. Their wants, their needs, their desires, their goals, you actually place them above yourself. That's what we do. Now listen, we love to use the term Christian and we love to call ourselves Christians. Or we say, I am a Christ follower. Meaning this, I am one who emulates Jesus. I live the lifestyle of Jesus. I follow the example of Jesus. Are we all on the same page? Okay, watch this. Paul wrote the letter to this, these churches, including Ephesus. He wrote the letter to those churches uh, while he was in prison. Also, while he was in prison, he wrote a letter to the church that was in Philippi. And this is what he said to the church in Philippi. He says, though he, this he is Jesus, though Jesus was God. Are we, listen, Jesus Christ is God. That, that's one of the major differences of Christianity. We don't believe Jesus was a good guy, good teacher, just a good rabbi. He is today still. Jesus is God. And even though he is God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. I'm God. Like, everybody pay attention. Like, he didn't think that was something to cling to. And then he goes on. And he says, instead, on the other hand, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. And then he finishes that thought that says, when Jesus appeared in human form, Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. It means this. Jesus submitted himself to the will of God. He surrendered to the will of God. He was God. He had to put up with human life. He had to come here and live like the rest of us. He submitted himself to that. Think about Jesus on the night that he was grabbed by the soldiers when he would go and be crucified. Do you remember this? Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he starts to pray. And what does he say? Dad, I don't want to do this. This is not what I want. I do not want to do this. Most important statement. What did he say then? but not my will, your will, your wants, your desires. God, I'm submitting. That was Jesus. Now, Paul gave us this thought in Philippians chapter 2, and he gave it to us in 6, 7, and 8. So catch the thought that he gave you in verse 5. What did he say in verse 5? You must have the same attitude as Christ. Followers of Jesus, that's us. We like to say we're Christians. We like to say we're followers of Jesus. If that's the case, here's the deal. You must, I must have the same attitude that Jesus had. What was that? I don't really want to. This isn't my want. This isn't my desire. But I willingly submit to it. Okay, now very important that you see Paul's thought because he said this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, which means this. The reason that we submit is to please Christ. To please Christ out of reverence for Christ. And I want you to get this picture in your head today. That when you submit, you actually look like Jesus. In fact, I would say this. At no time will you or I ever look more like Jesus than when we submit. Than when we say, I don't really want to do this. 
but we submit and we put someone else ahead of us. We put their desires ahead of us. We put their needs ahead of ours. There's no more, no more way that we can look like Jesus than that, than submission. Now, here's what he's going to do. Well, let me, let me just tell you this first, as followers of Christ. We, we submit first and foremost to God. Okay? That's our first and foremost, is we submit always to the will of God. However, we do life here on this planet in the day-to-day relationships, and so we are told in Romans 13 that we submit to authorities. Now, notice the word is submit, not agree with. We don't have to agree. We can disagree, in fact. That's why it's submission, because if we all agreed, you wouldn't have to submit. You'd just have to agree, and you just naturally do it. Like, we're supposed to submit to authorities even if we don't agree. Now, if you find yourself going, well, what if, what if they tell us to do something that got, like, relax. That's a defensive posture, right? That, that first and foremost, yes, I'm acknowledging this. We submit to God. But when someone has asked us to do something we don't like, that doesn't mean we get to not submit, right? That, 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 that what, we, what we tend to do is we tend to, if we don't like something, just bear with me just a minute. If we tend to not like something, what we tend to do is, is we take our opinion and we make it the opinion of God. That's not okay. We just have to admit that we don't like it, but we've been called to submit. We're to submit to authorities. We're to submit to hardworking leaders. Believe it or not, folks, the emperor. We submit. And listen, I, I'm, I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm talking to myself. I think it's been very obvious in the culture. I, I just think even Christians, we've gotten wrapped up in this, and we're not doing a very good job. And I'm just saying this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. What if we were doing all of this? Is there any more time in history? Well, there probably are. But, man, could we just look distinctly unique today? We would look distinctly Christian today. If we thought in our heads, I don't like that, I don't agree with it, but they have not contradicted the word of God in any way, I'm going to go with it, right? We have actually been called to submit to all of these things. So Paul now is going to do this. He's going to get into three very specific relationships. So I'm just telling everybody, reach over, buckle up, because these are going to be hard for us, right? But listen to the relationships and watch how Paul gets into this. The first one he's going to give us is for wives. Now watch this. Just hang in there with me. Wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, just so you know, this as to the Lord could very well be understand like out of reverence for Christ, like as you, you, like in a way to honor God, in a way to honor God. Wives, submit to your husbands. He continues with that thought. And he says, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Jesus, he's talking about, is the savior of his body, which is the church. We call the, the church the body of Christ, right? And then he, he finishes with this, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands. Now, this is a tough pill to swallow, but here's why. So just give me a chance on this before you, before you walk out, right? The culture has so stripped this verse out of its intended context that they have used this to say, see, the church is sexist. See, the church is just making an excuse why women should stay in an abusive relationship. And unfortunately, we've bought into it. We've allowed the church to influence and say, yeah, the church is sexist and it's, this is just a relic. Listen to me. In context, always in context. And we're going to see in context because Paul is going to write specifically to the husband. So in that context, let, let me talk about a few things. Because, I, listen, if you're a woman and you're here this morning, 
and a clergy of some form or the church in some way has used this scripture to beat you over the head and to tell you that you're supposed to stay in an abusive relationship. Listen to me loud and clear. God never calls a woman to be abused. Just, we're done. Are we done? It, like, that's just, no. It's just not. And so if the church, or I just want to apologize on behalf of any church or any clergy that has beat you over the head with that and said, see, you got to stay in that relationship. you got to submit. Let's talk about some things that submission is not. First of all, submission is not a difference in worth. It's not that the woman is inferior to the man. There's nothing about that. Genesis chapter 1, it says that man and woman are both, both made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 2, it says that God saw that it was not good for the man to be alone, so he created a helpmate, a helper. That word helper, and we've talked about this, thank you, Hillary. We've talked about this. That word helper in the Hebrew is the word easier. That same word that's used to describe the woman in Genesis 2 is used about 30 times in the Old Testament to describe who? God himself. This is not a weak, this is not an inferior, this is not anything like that. Submission is not a difference in worth. Biblical submission also is not all women to all men. This is wives to husbands, end of sentence, right? It doesn't mean, therefore, all women must submit to a man. Any man, just submit to him because he's, no, 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 that's not what he's talking about. Biblical submission is also not forced. It's not forced. It's never a husband saying, hey, woman, you submit to me. It ain't that. Paul never commands the man to, to tell the wife, to command the wife to submit. That, that is an, a, a false understanding. Give it a try, man. You can give it a try. It doesn't go real well. It just doesn't go well. Right? That's, that's not a biblical understanding. Again, it's totally out of context. Furthermore, it's not submission to ungodly leadership. It's not just like, hey, just submit, and then all of a sudden the woman's supposed to do it. It isn't godly. This isn't what God has called. It's never that. Our ultimate authority is God. Anything that we're, where we would be asked to submit to anything that is ungodly, it's not that. But I would also say this. It's not an antiquated cultural relic. We don't just throw it out because the culture is stripped out of context, because the culture has abused it, because some of the church have abused it. It's still a biblical truth. If you're new to this church, you just need to know this. We only study from the Bible. We read the Bible. We believe the Bible. And we don't pick and choose whether we like it or not. Okay? It is the word of God. It is God speaking. It's not some antiquated cultural... In fact, I would challenge you to say this. In the day and age that, that uh, the Apostle Paul was writing... This was a little bit revolutionary because in just a second, he's going to speak to the men. Totally unheard of. Totally unheard of. This is not some antiquated cultural relic that we just get to throw out. It's still relevant to us today. Let's talk just a bit about what actual biblical submission actually is. See, biblical uh, submission is a disposition to follow a husband's authority and to yield to his leadership. It's an attitude that says, look, I want you to lead in our home. I want you to take initiative in our family. I'm glad that you take responsibility. I don't like it when you're simply passive and you want me to just make this family thing work. I'll tell you, one of the things that is destroying homes is passive men. That's destroying our homes. A wife, in godly submission, when it's done in context, we're going we're to get a full look at context. When it's done in appropriate context, a woman says, 
great. Lead, take responsibility. You're going to see why a woman would say that in a moment. But this passive idea, biblical submission is also an idea that says, husband, I love you. I desire to follow you, but I'm not leading you down the road to sin. And so know this, that God is my king. And if you lead in an ungodly manner, in some ungodly endeavor, Christ is my king. I can't follow you. That is actually biblical submission. Now, again, I would say this. The challenge becomes, is it really a violation of God's word or is it just, hey, I wouldn't do it this way? That's for you to wrestle with. That's for you to wrestle with. Now, here we go. Wives, I just want you to know this. You only got three short verses, okay? Paul says five long verses to men, if that tells us anything. So here it is, husbands. Husbands, this means love your wives. Now, how is it that I should love my life? Oh, just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. See, there's submission, yes, But the submission is voluntary and willing because there's this kind of love from a husband. Further, Paul says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually loves himself. Listen, man, we we think about ourselves, don't we? We love us some us. Okay, in that same way, in the way you think about what's comfortable for me, what do I want, what are my desires, we're actually supposed to be thinking, what about my wife? What about her wants? What about her desires? And I will just tell you this, that when a husband does that, the wife actually voluntarily submits. Then he goes on to say, no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. See, there's a love and there's a submission. There's both. It's a biblical model, and it brings about beautiful, meaningful relationships, deep, life-giving relationships when there is love and submission both. Wives submit. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. That's the melding of a beautiful relationship. Now, husbands, let me give you one other thing to think about. The apostle Peter is writing to the church, and Peter says this. In the same way, husbands, you've got to give honor Honor your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Now watch this. Watch what he says here. She may be weaker than you. This is, this is not inferior. This is, I'm just making a, a general statement. A general statement is that physically, men are typically physically stronger than a woman. And that's what Pastor Vicki was, we were talking about. She said, that's why all the time I have something I can't open. I say, Doug, would you open this for me? It's very common. This is, this is not an inferior. This is just a generalization. She may be weaker, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, listen to this, so that your prayers will not be hindered. The the hinting here is this. Men, if you want your prayers answered, treat your wife correctly. Treat her biblically, right? If you don't, just might be wasted time. You're making prayer requests. Very interesting, right? Now we get into a third relationship. So we see that first relationship and the dynamics is there's love and there's submission. It's a mutual relationship. There's true love, like you love yourself, like Christ laid down his life for the church and there's true submission, both, right? Can I just say this? Uh, I, I, I don't have this on video and it would have been really good, but, uh, but it works both ways. So sometimes husbands will say, well, my wife doesn't submit. She doesn't submit. 
And I'll say, here, here, here's, your, here's your plan right now. Just love her like Christ loved the church. Just go with that for a while and see if that doesn't change the temperature in your house. And sometimes I've heard women say, my, my husband doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. And I'm like, just do this. Here's your plan of attack. Ready? Just submit to him for a while. Just submit. And there's a couple that I know, and I mean it radically changed their home. It radically changed their marriage because there was love and submission both. There was love and submission. Here's another relationship. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, but this is the right thing to do. This is, this is submission again. You live in your home, your parents, obey your parents. And I like how he says it, right? Because you belong to the Lord. That's why. You, listen, no offense to parents, but you don't, you don't, you don't obey your parents because they're the smartest people that have ever walked. That's not why you obey your parents. You obey your parents out of reverence for Christ because you're a Christ follower, because the Christian model is model of submission. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. It's the right thing to do because you belong to the Lord, because it's how Christians behave. Now, he goes to the fifth commandment, right? Ten commandments. Here's the fifth of those. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, this is the general principle, things will go well for you. You have a long life on the earth, right? Just, just, just in general. Now, listen, with parents, there's submission, there's love, and then there's also honor. So I'm going to tell you how I explain this. When I, when I talk to kids, this is how I talk. There's love and there's, honor. There's, there's obedience. There's obedience and then there's honor. There's the two. Obedience is doing what your folks tell you to do. That's obedience. Your folks say you obey. Honor is this. Do it before they actually have to tell you. So if you know that your job is to take out the garbage every, every Wednesday, you finally obeyed because they asked you for the fourth time. Honor would be this. They didn't even have to ask. They didn't even have to ask. Now, I'm just going to give this as an example, and I'm just going to mess up everybody's house because I don't have kids, so I don't care. So I just say this kind of stuff. <laughs> in my house, true story, in my house, never had a curfew. Not once did I ever have a curfew. My parents never had a curfew for me. However, I don't think I was ever out past eight on a school night. I promise you this. In fact, we, got, we were all together as a family, and we were talking about that one time. I said, Pop, we never had a curfew. And he said, oh, you would have if I'd have needed one. You'd have had one. But we never needed one. Like, that's honor. That's just honor. I just knew my folks were going to get upset if we were strolling at 10 o'clock on a weeknight, school night for us. That would have been late. We were never out late. There's honor, right? And there's obedience. And now, here's what's really interesting. So initially, again, Paul talked to the wives and then the husbands, right? Initially, he talks to the child. Now he's going to talk to the parent. Watch what he says. Fathers. Now, just so we're all clear on this. Paul is addressing fathers. I personally believe this could be fathers or mothers. It's just that in that culture, the father ruled the household. It was a patriarchal culture. So I think this could easily be fathers or mothers. Fathers, here's the deal. I'm telling the kids to, to obey you and to honor you, but parents, right, don't provoke your kids to anger by the way you treat them. Instead, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This word discipline, don't ever forget that. That is love. Love your kids. That's discipline. you got to love your kids. So here's what we know. Sometimes in relationships it can get volatile. This party gets volatile. This party gets volatile. What Paul's saying is, hey, parents, don't push your kids' buttons. Now you're going to discipline them. You're going to love them. You're going to pray for wisdom that God would show you where the line is. But you want really meaningful relationships between parents and between kids, right? There's, there's love 
and there's submission. There's both. Now, he's going to get into one last relationship, and this last relationship is what really makes me think that these relationship things just cross all barriers, right? Watch who he talks to next. So interesting. Look in your Bibles. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Now, I just need to address this because we all need to just acknowledge this. This is a there was a terrible thing that happened in our country in the 1800s when slavery was alive. Did you know that one of the things that prolonged slavery was church leaders? Did you know that? That it prolonged slavery. Because church leaders were using this, and they were saying, see, see that? Paul does not condemn slavery. You just need to know this. Apples and oranges, everybody. Apples and oranges. That slavery in first century culture was so much a part of the culture and folks were slaves for all different reasons. There could have been a war and your people were taken. But don't forget, too, a lot of times slavery was, hey, I got so far into debt, right? Now I've become a slave. Slavery sometimes for folks was saying, hey, my life is really tough and it would be better if I would just be an indentured servant and I'd just be a slave to this person and work for them and it actually improve my life. Okay, Paul's writing to that whole sphere. This is in no way a, a, a condoning the slavery that went on in our country, so, so don't ever go there. But slaves, you're to obey your masters. You're to, you're to submit to them with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. He says this, try to please them all the time. Just try to please them, not just when they're watching. Paul is writing to slaves who have become Christians. And he's saying here, as a follower of Christ, submission is for you. Remember, the overall heading Submit to one another. That was the overall heading of this whole discussion. Then he went to wives. Then he went to husbands. Then he went to children. Then he finally talked to the parents. And now he's actually talking to slaves. And the same behavior, a follower of Christ, it is submission. Okay, here's what's revolutionary. And this is what was just blowing people's mind. Oh, masters. Paul is going to address the masters. Nobody addresses the master. They're the master. Oh, no, no, no. Not in Christianity. Not in Christianity. Hey, treat your slaves in the same way. The fact that Paul would speak to the masters was mind-blowing back then. He says, don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master, which means this. You're going to answer just the same. Keep that in mind with how you treat your slaves. And God has no favorites. Man, this is just a huge, big discussion for Paul on submission. On submission. First of all, we all submit. To one another. We all willingly, voluntarily place ourselves under. We all put other people above us, their wants, their needs, their desires. We do that in our marriages. We do that in our, in our uh, relationship with our kids and our parents. We do that with slaves and masters. Listen, I honestly believe that this could have just gone across the board and could have addressed so many different issues. This could address employer-employee relationships. This could uh, address teacher-student relationships. It could be coach-athlete relationships. It could be grandparent-grandchild relationships. These are principles, love and submission. And so we started out asking, what are the keys? I would just say very simply, the key to great relationships is love and submission. Life-giving, meaningful, just, just those fulfilling relationships. It's love and submission. It's love and submission. But I also want to say this, beyond just great relationships, will we just get this picture this morning, that the key to looking like Jesus, ultimately the key to looking like Jesus, the key to you and I having impact into the world is love and submission. Now just think about this for just a minute. Is there any way that you could look more unique 
Well, some of you just look unique. Is there any way that you could look more unique in the culture today than if we would just show love and submission at work? Could you possibly look any more different? Is there any more way that you, is there any way that you could look more different in your neighborhood relationships, if you just showed love and submission? What about if you're at the store and you just have a brief encounter with somebody and you showed love and submission? Can you just imagine how people would be just going, that, that, that was interesting, like that was really unique. I don't see people that behave like that. What if, what if you're on the phone and you got customer service on the other end? See where I'm going with this? And you're just frustrated. Now, I just think, man, Christians, in the culture that we live in today, what if we just, uh, like, because one of the things, like, we have to look at this. One of the things that submission never says is, but my rights, that, that's not really a statement that says submission. Well, I understand God is our ultimate authority, but what if our, what would the church look like if we were loving each other and submitting to each other? Like, remember this, the Jesus prayer for unity for the Father in John chapter 17, he says, so that the world will know. That's one of the reasons that we, that we behave this way with each other, so that the world will know. What if people came in here, what if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus and you walked in, what if when you walked out, you're like, those people are all really nice to each other and they, and they look after each other and they care for each other. Like, what an impression that would be. Right? So, so if you're new, we always have the big so what. This is what I really want you to walk out of here with this morning. You don't have to guess. I'm just going to tell you this is what I'm trying to get at. The love and submission to Jesus means love and submission to others. If you're a Christ follower, you say, oh, I submit to Jesus. What that actually means then, the way that translates is you love and submit other people. Now, I'll just tell you this. Like, I just lived it out this week. Kim and I had an argument on Thursday which everybody relaxed. First time in 16 years we had an argument. We had a good ride. It's over, you know. And honestly, after I had a chance to think about it for a while, you know why we had the argument? Because I was thinking about me. I was all about like, what do I want? What is my desire coming out of this? That's why. That's, that was the whole thing. If I'd have been thinking the whole time, like, what does she want? What would serve her best? What is her desire in this? If I would have just done that and, and, and submitted to my wife, and loved her, loved her as Christ loved the church, I promise you, no argument. There would have been no argument. None. Right? See, if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, then, right, talk is cheap. We all know that. We've got to back that up. Okay. If you're going to say, I, 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 I submit, I've surrendered to Jesus, that translates as love and submission to other people. Not just the ones you like, not just the ones we agree with. And just so you know, I ain't talking to anybody. I'm just talking and thinking out loud right now because I'm wrestling with all of this too. And I'm seeing all the places in my life where this just has not gone well, where I'm disobedient. But let's own it. Let's own that, right? So we always try to say big so what and then the big now what. Uh, I don't know exactly what the now what is going to be this morning. I'm going to give you one. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to just commit that to to God. I want us to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what I put down, and you can think about this. This week, find an intentional way to put somebody else above yourself. In other words, to submit to them. Find a very intentional way. 
Okay, we look at the relationships that Paul talked about. Maybe, maybe you need to say, wow, what would that look like in my home, in my marriage? How would it look in my home with my kids? But how would it look in any relationship? What would it look like for you and I to intentionally put somebody else above us? To intentionally submit, to intentionally surrender? Well, what would it look like for you to do that? So I'm asking you to bow your heads. Father, Holy Spirit, right now, I'm asking Holy Spirit that you just speak to each person right now. What would it look like? Give us something very clear, Holy Spirit. Number one, where have we gone wrong? And if there's a place where you've gone wrong, I'd ask you, man, before it gets too late, just go back and confess that. Go talk to that other person and say, hey, you know what? I was only thinking of myself. So maybe, maybe, maybe we need to just clean up. There's some debris in aisle six, and we need to clean that up. But then moving forward in those relationships, you, you just pray, Holy Spirit, you speak. 